2: are resilient, we have grit. I think often resiliency and grit is like the second place runner-up prize. Like, oh, mm-hmm. we're not gonna give you power or ownership. Why you so resilient? And, and it, it becomes like the others. You got that, like thumbs up. So I think of Artworks LA students, they are resilient. And it is my obligation to make the world open up so that they don't have to rely solely on their resiliency. They should have ownership. They should have power, just as any anybody else. So shall they all. So shall they all. Hello
0: and welcome to the Afro Existential Podcast new six-part series entitled Creating Art in Crisis. I'll be your host, Blaine Sparks-Teamer, as we explore and share with you how these unprecedented times are affecting creativity, and how artists are processing and finding solutions to take their art to the next level. In this episode of Creating Art in Crisis, we speak with Shelby Williams-Gonzalez, Executive Director of Artworks LA, about how the organization uses art. an engagement tool for students. We discuss the impact of the corona pandemic and how they adapted during the crisis. We'll talk with Shelby Williams-Gonzalez, Executive Director of Artworks LA, after a brief word from our sponsors.
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
2: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
0: A theatre in the black. Have you listened to our wonderful audio play, Dead Weight, A Journey in Afro-Existentialism? <coughs>
2: the art of appreciation is lost in this world of dog-eat-dog. Dog. Perhaps it's just a question of
0: style.
2: If you have listened to... Watch what you
0: say. Go to our website right now and see how you can win the Afro Existential Crisis Little Black Hoodie. Just go. Go to AfroEXpodcast.com. Today, your roots will thank you. And that's no lie. Welcome back to the Afro Existential Podcast series entitled Creating Art in Crisis. In 1992, Artworks LA then the Heart Project was founded to address the lack of arts education programs for Los Angeles teenagers. Over the years, Artworks LA has worked with over 12,000 students at over 50 alternative education sites. We asked Shelby to speak to us about what the program does, the impact it has had on students, and how they continue to create art in crisis.
2: This is so cool, it's so nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too.
0: I was just uh, Mm -hmm. telling Indira, we had the loveliest conversation on the phone and she's absolutely delightful. And (laughs) Indira is one of the most delightful, funniest. If there's anybody that you need to get to have in your life, you have to have in your life, it's Indira.
2: It's Indira? I love (laughs) it, I love it.
1: And I would say the same thing about Blaine, for sure. He is one of the lights of my life,
2: (laughs) other than my children.
1: So sweet. We (laughs) are so excited to have you on the program. I'm so fascinated by Artworks LA, so I'm super excited to get into
2: it. Okay, sounds good. Wayne, you want to get started?
0: Can you tell us a little bit about your organization, Artworks LA?
2: We've been around for, we're going into our 29th year. We were founded. In 1992, especially in Los Angeles, after the L.A., the 92 L.A. uprisings, there was a lot of money that went into community development, especially in the arts. And I think we were in that that wave of of artists responding to to social and community needs. And our founder, she was actually working at MoCA and she noticed that museums were getting money, but they were spending a lot of their education programming on elementary school age. And then at like a little into middle school, but really like nobody was reaching out to high schools unless you were a private, you know, affluent high school that maybe had an art program. So that's what was the impetus. Like how come there aren't more high school students engaged with the museum community? So we started in one continuation high school in Artworks LA back then we were called the Heart Project. That was our original name. From the day one, it was Cynthia Campbell Brophy, who is the, the founder. She only wanted in continuation high schools. So continuation high schools or alternative education spaces are traditionally those high schools. Like if, even if you think of like your most common high school, like the back of the high school where the kids that were falling behind in credits or truant a lot, maybe they'd been suspended a few times. Like they went to the alternative ed Site. So that's what mm-hmm. that is. That, that model has definitely changed because now students are opting into those sites. They're smaller learning environments and they're graduating from high school there. So, so that's where we started. And now, you know, Zoom 29 years later, we're in 27 sites throughout LA County. We work in multiple school districts, but always in the continuation or alternative ed setting. And mm-hmm. we're also in the juvenile halls and some of the camps. So we're w- involved in the justice system. We want to bring professional artists into the classrooms and create works with our students based on themes that are pulled from what is happening in the world. So we're doing, you know, socially relevant, social justice issues, current events, what you know, whatever you want to call it, and pulling and using the arts as a tool to amplify our, our students' voices. And when I say the arts, it's it really is, a wide variety. So a student, you know, their first semester, they may experience a photography workshop and that could be mm-hmm. around one of our themes. And then the next semester they might do like a creative writing workshop. So we try to expose our students to all types of arts, but really like the key is that we're bringing in artists that this is what they do. You know, this is, mm-hmm. we want to show our, our students that are all young people of color that artists are making a living, and they're contributing, Mm. but they're using their art as that tool. So that's like the core of what we do. And then we have additional programming, not to gloss over, but we have additional programming that students can opt into in addition to what they're getting at their school. So we have after school residencies, and that's in partnership with a lot of the colleges around. So we work with Otis, with Art Mm. Center, with, we've worked with USC School of Architecture. So it's about those like steps forward to try something new. And then, oh, here's what a university class is like. So let's try that. Mm-hmm. Oh, next. And then next summer we have scholarships. Let's try like a two week experience on a college campus. Oh, an internship. Like, right. So it's just these little steps to make sure that our students know that this is an option, especially in Los Angeles when it's like one in eight jobs is in the creative field. Our students have are are exposed to those options, right? And it and regardless of how you get there, nobody's path is linear. But you just you should have these points where you can try it. Okay, maybe you fall back, and then you try something again. Right. So that's that's who we are. And I want to be I, in it. We can, we can make like like the adult high school. You know, we can all just pretend. <laughs> we're, sure. Why not? You know, I mean, you guys are really doing like
1: uh, the type of work that I think a lot of organizations that uh, should be doing to create access—not only just access, but it's it's like you're saying—if you are saying you can not know, you need to know that these things are are out there. It's allowing them to have their, a voice in what they're doing, but then also like real, genuine access to these different institutions.
2: We've always been focused on the arts, the arts, and and the skills that the arts bring. And I love seeing the evolution of our program that making the connections even, I guess, more solidified to what's happening in the city and bringing that into our classrooms, mm-hmm. I, I love that. And I think it, it, it makes it even more important for our students. It m- definitely affects our teaching artists, our staff, because we're all, it's kind of like we all get to learn something, you know, if we start, so for example, this year, one of our uh, themes is called grounding in the soil. And we're partnering Mm -hmm. with the Natural History Museum. So you can use that literally, right? Like, how do you take care of the earth? How do you turn things over? What are the cycles of any sort of plant, whether you're, you know, it's a house plant, you're trying to grow vegetables, whatever it is? But then also, how does that metaphor relate to our communities? What does it take to, to have that cycle, right? Of caring for something, letting it blossom? Things are gonna fall off, you have to prune it you know like i think that's mm-hmm. just a beautiful metaphor for life so as we choose that theme then our teaching artists you know all our staff we go into training and you just it, we get to be students as well and just think about okay then how does this translate into different arts how can we how can we create a interesting prompt so that our students can create work around this idea of grounding in the soil like what does that mean so it's right. it's fun like it, there's a beautiful thing that we all get to be the students at some point right and that's really i think where the importance of the arts lies it's making space to create you shouldn't have to like schools should not be okay i did my packet i passed my test and i got a grade okay thank you bye like it, it shouldn't be so transactional
1: right but it's also teaching people to be good humans Yeah, you know, because whether they choose art programs or an art artist career, you know, like you're saying, it's integrating like the whole the grounding, the lessons that you're learning, it carries on, you know, into their to whatever career they 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 take on. And in terms of that, like, how do you feel that it's impacting the students?
2: Yeah, so we do see a shift. I mean, and this is definitely a long game, like Artworks LA. So the schools that we're in, we've been, for example, we've been in one school, Angeles Plaza, which is. In downtown LA for 28 years. It's not like we're popping into a school and then leaving and going to another school. That said, it's because we know that the process takes a long time, right? You've got to learn to, students got to learn to trust us, trust this this process, and then let's go Mm -hmm. from there. And so in terms of impact, we see that the longer a student is with us, They're there, you know, and we've we've done evaluations at the end of every season. So we see that, you know, we ask them like, has this, has arts engagement changed your relationship to school? And it's often, yes, like I actually enjoy coming to school more. I'm thinking about graduating. I'm thinking about what I want to do after I graduate. So it's not just the arts itself, but the idea that now I can think about life. Not so much in in pockets, but a little, a little broader. broader. Yeah, a little broader. Mm-hmm. That's definitely, I think, our, our biggest impact. And then just having the ability, you know, we work a lot with our board and just partnership is at our core of who we are. So the fact that I can see some of our students, that, like that I start when I was in the classroom still 11 years ago, and now our students, you know, they so a lot of them still check in with us after years. Mm-hmm. We've had students that have been interns with us with our organization through the LA County Department of Arts and Culture or through the Getty Undergraduate Program. And then they've gone off and done paid internships with production companies. So mm. just seeing our students grow into adulthood, into you know this young, yeah, into adulthood, is, is, it's pretty special. So impact wise, to answer your question, we really see that the arts become an engagement tool. And so students are staying in school. Right,
1: because that is our
2: mission statement. Especially in in these COVID times, we're really starting to rethink how we can better describe what we do. Yes, we com- we combat the high school dropout crisis. We don't want students le- exiting school without a high school diploma, and we're seeing that those numbers are increasing. But you mentioned COVID. How is COVID affecting the program? It's it's tough. I mean, we. We pivoted pretty quickly in March. So when, when the stay-at-home happened, uh, the, what was it, March 13th, you know, we all went home. And the spring, it took us about a couple of weeks just to get everything online. And we realized, and this is actually something that's, that's come out of COVID, is how we can access our students in multiple ways. Because for us, the school is the gatekeeper right? Because we are an in-school program. It's not like, so those thousand students that we serve in the schools, it's not like we had emails for all of them as individuals. We, you know, we're going through the school. So we had to wait for the schools to figure out how they were going to get with their kids and and check that. So in the meantime, while we waited for our schools to, to figure that part out, we started doing something, which is still on our website, Artworks at Home. So we were taking our lessons and condensing them into these like five to seven minute lessons and blasting everything on social media you know so our advanced program students they were still meeting with us right those are after school students but at least the in-school students they knew that they could go to our site and try some of these lessons and then we did a zine so we were then collecting their work so it actually became Mm -hmm. a really interesting digital conversation with students and we could see because you know you can like big brother, you know, track your, who's, who's clicking on what I'm trying to spy on anybody, but (laughs) I I wasn't looking, you know, so students were clicking on our lessons and, and taking them. And then we did a call out at the end of the school year for them to submit their work. And we actually made a zine, but of some of the students that had said that had given back their work. So we called it corn zine. It's public. Yeah. So it's all on our, it's all on our website, (laughs) artworksla.org. Yeah. So, so for this fall, you know, we know that we're going to be, we knew we were going to be virtual. That's what we were planning for in the summer. So like, again, I said, we had our, we have our cultural partners, the natural history museum and the California African-American museum. Mm. We have our themes and everything is virtual. So whether our schools are using zoom teams, Microsoft teams, like we've taken everything and it's all, and it's still the same program, right? You're getting, The professional artist and Artworks LA staff person are hosting these workshops once a week through their school. So it's a little, you know, kind of change up for our students in terms of Zoom and we're making it work.
0: You had to pivot really quick, which I think is key. Was it difficult?
2: I mean, I wouldn't say that it was easy, but there wasn't resistance from everyone. We were all kind of just going to figure it out. And I have to say, we have an amazing, savvy staff that, I mean, literally, you put a a room full of artists together and they'll be like, okay, we're going to figure this out. So it was actually like, I applaud our staff all the time on, on how actually fast and seamless from the outside world it seemed to pop up but it was really I mean folks were working hard on how to make how can you make and we would have classes just like our staff meetings turned into well you know if you hold your camera at this angle like over <laughs> your hands and then let's do a cut I mean so we were talking about editing techniques and wow yeah like but that's what we do communities you you know your network, you, you work with what you got and you want to keep going
1: you do you do and like you said pivoting is key because i think part of this i know part of the reason we got into this is i personally was finding it difficult to pivot you know like there was a moment where it was like i can't uh, you know, you want to get out in these streets, you know, my, my, my art has to kind of go to the side, but there is a point where you have to go, no, you have to pivot and re and reorganize your workflow to actually achieve, you know, the goals that you're, that you're trying to achieve. What's been their reaction to the whole black lives matter movement?
2: Yeah. So that's really interesting. You know, talking about race is, is something that we've been doing with our students, you know, for a few years. So the Black Lives Matter for our students, the Black Lives Matter movement is really just part of of every day. And I don't mean to say that like soft and like glossy over, but I really feel like our students are much more in tune with with racial disparities and what's happening in the world. And then and then I will also talk about like our board, because I think that's a different entity. So with our students, something that we've really been interested in, we want to make sure that there's not, because our students are predominantly Latino. And then like, so I'd say about 80% Latino, 20% African-American. We're an organization that is, is both Latino and African-American led by a black woman. We're all in this together. And we want to make sure that there's not anti-blackness in the Latino community. And the same with with an anti-Latino in our Black communities. Like, we have to work together. So in terms of talking about race, I think that is, like, the first thing. Because mm-hmm. this comes up. Think about it, In Los Angeles, just in this year alone, you've had the Black Lives Matter movement come up and, I think, become even in louder because of the murder of George Floyd and Bre- Breonna Taylor. And then you also have, within the Latino community, we, you know, earlier this year, you know, we're separating... T- families and and the immigration issues right so all Mm. of that is happening and so we want to what we hear from our students is sometimes a resistance well like well where was where where our black friends when like we were getting you know our families are dealing with ice and stuff and Mm. so it's like no you know what this is not two separate issues systemic and institutional racism plays out in all ways it's that is why we have ice that's why we're having These immigration issues. That's why people are dying in the streets and that's why people are protesting. Like we can't think of them as two different teams.
0: Separate things, right? This is they're
2: all symptoms of the same virus, right? It's the same. So that's really been my focus with with our students particular. Like I, I don't wanna talk about it like one over here, one over here. This is this is the same because I think together we're gonna be even stronger
0: but there's this notion that we're all like separate. If Obamacare ends, it's gonna end across the board. So I think it's really all about allies. And the more Mm -hmm. of us from these different groups that all kind of come together, whenever somebody else needs something, the more powerful
2: we are. Yeah, Mm -hmm. And, and and that goes to, if you aren't taught empathy, at a certain age, like it's like kind of it's like a foreign language. You're gonna have to take the time to, to pick it up again. And I say that, that
0: all the time, and no nope, people there's like a blank look on people's face. So you're validating <laughs> what I believe yeah, that there true. is no empathy. I just don't see the empathy, and it's so evident of what we're seeing right now. And you're right, it's like it's something, and I thought it was like a thing of if someone is seeing. Someone else suffering. Okay, now I get it. But now we're even seeing like people are seeing it, and there's and, you know we talk about cognitive dissonance where mm-hmm. it's just well I can't worry about that today.
2: And I think the more that we practice empathy and understand like immigration is just as important of an issue to me, a U.S. citizen. I would yeah I was born here, but still that matters to me because it affects my community. I think if people think about that a little more and. I, yeah, I don't have to worry about ice personally, but but it affects the people that, that I love and that I care about.
0: That's just wrong. That's yeah. just not what my values would say, that somehow someone should be treated.
2: Why is it so hard to just say, you know what, uh, this is wrong.
0: You look at just the little teeny things that will throw someone off if it's done to them. And so you can't put yourself in someone else's situation where this is like a major major thing that's happening you just had someone that didn't get to somewhere on time but you can't empathize for someone who's being pulled away from their family it just blows my mind and i don't know what will get us back to where we can have more empathy
1: well we've gotten so so tribal you know, in this country as of late and the tribe is getting smaller and smaller and people can justify being sort of just afraid for themselves because they've got to protect themselves. In regards to empathy, what makes these types of programs very important to me is because art transcends that. Art shows you, shows you. And I think that's what needs to happen to to a certain extent. We have to see to keep these conversations going, but also to bring us back together that's making that's you know making any sense because i'm with you like you know you the the people that can be on the steps of the michigan's you know city hall raising cane because they have to have a mask on can't have sympathy don't understand why people are you know in kenosha rioting they they don't they don't they they, they can't you know put that together
0: art is that conduit that can allow people to give people the opportunity to think different and have those conversations about things they really hadn't talked about and usually in a sometimes in a more safer space and I think all what we try to do is you know we're trying to use our art as like a springboard for those important conversations to get people talking about oh I didn't really think of that That way before.
2: I and I think that's the power, one of the multiple powers of the arts is that the process is just as important as the product, right? So if you compare it to, say, like a math question, I think you need the process, but you're all going to get to the same answer. I think with art, we don't know that we're necessarily all going to get to the same answer. And so for young people to have the space uh, and the time, literally the time Mm. to go on this process and come up come to their conclusion, I think is so important. And that's a life lesson, right? You're teaching people, you're giving people the chance to critically think to explore to question, right? Because I don't know what the the answer is going to be. It's going to your answer is going to be a little different from mine. And it's going to play out in our pieces with what other medium we're working in, whether it's clay or, or acrylics, like, It's all going to be a little different, but I'm going to be able to tell you what I'm feeling. And, you know, I hope that you can share with and that process, I think, is so important because you learn to one. I think just the process of of learning to speak up and have your own opinion and someone Mm. asking for your opinion, not Mm. necessarily the regurgitated facts. Right. But your opinion of something. And then for you to have to listen to somebody else's right how basic is that let's let me come to a conclusion and have some way to back it and let me hear what you have to say
0: shabby oh you're speaking french so i don't even simple. i can't imagine so i can't simple. what are you talking about
2: pause and listen it's crazy it's we're we're revolutionary right here right now <laughs> right here right now <laughs>
1: But then that layer on top of that, that, you know, art is accepted as being subjective. So you get to express yourself without someone saying, no, that's not right. And it's visual and it's you get to put out what you're feeling And it continues, it it opens that conversation up in a different type of a way, because I think we're at that point where people are saying, nope, how you feel doesn't matter. It's wrong anyway. And I think that goes both ways. It's really hard right now where we are to say, oh no, we should listen to the other side of this, the side that's looking very evil and dark and corrupted. We can't close off and just be like, nope, we're just right over here. Things that we want, they're just right and we got to stick to it. We have to. We have to recognize how we're closing down, and we need to open up both ways. Yeah, and art, I think, it. is is one major way of doing it. What's
0: awesome about what your program is doing is is that it is giving access to young people in areas of the arts. We talk about the gatekeepers all the time. It's so hard to kind of break into the arts unless you have unless you're going through a program unless you're related to someone and so you are creating that path and giving kids an understanding of okay this is the journey and this is what you'll need to know and this is how all this works and that's Mm -hmm. essential
2: yeah and i have to say like that's one of my favorite parts i think you know that's what keeps me going is constantly being able to match and like i get to meet really interesting folks and then you know this person over here so i think honestly like artworks la we're just a matchmaker of of us always kind of being out in the world and seeing who who needs what and oh you need some over here i mean everything from this startup we actually work with an organization called kids of immigrants and they're a fashion company and it's two guys who started like in their garage and now they actually have a brick and mortar space it's so cool to see like their their business is budding but they've come in and Done workshops with our students it was really nice a few years ago like octavia spencer she came and just spoke with our students for hours and we just talked about films and like her process and how she got into it but even just the love for films like you know imagine being 14 years old and like sitting across from octavia spencer and you're like oh, right. we just talked about like our favorite films and like what we're watching on netflix like that's really cool so being able to just touch in tap into the world that way and bring that back to our students. I love that part. So that that connectivity is really essential. To your point, Blaine, is to, so that we can get our students involved in these ways. So it doesn't have to rely on, oh, my uncle knows someone or, you know, sort of your whatever family ties you have or taking that unpaid internship. Like, hell no. <laughs> Let's work with people. There's so many just... Everybody should know, have a lot of tools in their, in their backpack.
0: What do you think the long-term impact of this kind of online shift is going to be for the students?
2: That's a good question. And I say that because I don't know the answer and my gut reaction is actually, it makes me a little nervous. I think the digital and, you know, like the digital divide is real and I don't know how like, this can't be the norm, right? We, we're not always going to rely on Zoom. Like, we need to be in person. We need to be have that interaction with people. And I know that our students miss that. I think some students are fine with it for now. But we are noticing that within the continuation as a whole, not just our class, but our continuation school partners, enrollment is down. And that makes me nervous, Mm. because that means kids that were already on the precipice, whether they were working their way back up, or they had fallen behind, they're going to fall behind more fall behind Mm. in terms of like academic. So what does this mean? You know, two years from now, in two years, we could all be back in schools, and it's fine. But now you have a group of students that are essentially another two years behind Mm. where they were. That's like my my worst case scenario, but it definitely plays out in my head, like this is an issue. So what can we do to try to keep our students like I you know, and I tell our all our staff, like this fall is going to be rough. And we're seeing that there aren't as many kids enrolled in the school. We're working with our teachers, we'll make phone calls, we'll, you know, d- we'll do whatever we can, because that is my fear that as we keep going down this road, and some folks are like, okay, yeah, I can adapt zoom is not the best. But if you're sharing devices, if you don't have a good internet connection, if you can't pay for more internet service, you know, it's not like there's only so much that school districts can do to help. So I, I really do worry about that this potentially could create an even larger gap. But to your point, like with how access is pretty easy, right? Everyone can go on Instagram on your phone and and that's like that's some exercises, right? You just need one thumb. But then think about with school and like actual schoolwork how are you going to type a paper with your thumbs, right? How are you going to turn in that um, work? Right. Like, you still need to have other tools. But then you, <laughs> yeah. So I won't go down the road of, of, of things missing. And then you have a, there, but there is definitely, you know, there's some educators that are also learning the platform. So oh, right, everybody, right. everybody's frustrated and everybody's trying to, to figure it out. Yeah, It was difficult
1: over here with my little kids. And I mean, and, you know, we don't have no thing barring us from having things together, you know, and their teachers went out of their way to do the most. They've got all their supplies and the teachers, we didn't have to buy supplies for the little kid. Like the school had that stuff packaged up. You roll by, you picked everything up and it was still hard. I think about kids that are that are struggling all the time, like this is just can't be an easy time. I can see very how, how, how easy it would be to be like, you know what? Forget this. I
2: think everybody has had that question come through their mind, especially hitting like, my God, we've been doing this for half of a year. I I kind of laugh, you know. It's a sad laugh, but remember <laughs> March thirteenth. Like I closed up our office. I I told everyone I was like, I need you guys to get your stuff. Telling everyone like, take your laptops, take everything you need. I don't know how long this is gonna last. Like I won't see you guys for a while. So please like grab your stuff, load up, you know, Google Docs and everyone go home right thinking like maybe I remember like oh maybe by August like this will all be done and August 1st like it swept through and I was like whoop. oh
1: wow you had really you had some
2: foresight to even think
1: through August I was confident it was it was going to be done for fact by May 15th I was I had no I had no doubt I mean, I was making I was making plans. You know what I mean? I was I was still trying to go on my girl trip. And then I was like, "Mm mm." July fifteenth. That's the last day. That's the last day. We are
2: coming back. See? See how it's going down? It's going down. July fifteenth. Uh, I'm really trying to find a place. You know, like yeah, Shelby, be grateful. Like you're okay. You know, mm-hmm. nobody's sick. Oh, yeah. And that Shelby's like, yeah, I'm grateful. Like okay. And then there's the other Shelby, like shut up. Like, okay. Yeah. You do your little meditation, but on the inside, you are angry. <laughs> yeah. Like that's
1: toxic positivity. Shelby, Shelby left. Take toxic, positivity. Toxic. I woke up super early this morning and I was like, realized, you know, I had not one time prayed over this pandemic and it like hit me. I was like, wait, this terrible. that's terrible. That's the worst. Like, you know, like you've been so caught up in this you know, like it's like help. like a
2: whirlwind, right?
1: Like the, you haven't even prayed for nobody. You haven't <laughs> asked God for help in helping other people. Jesus, help us, <laughs> Lord, Jesus. And I haven't gone to God. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> asked for no help for nobody. The reason I'm crying is because actually I thought. This is a damn what if I could just end this right now? I'm gonna clock. I'm gonna clock and see if these COVID cases came down. Because has God just been waiting for me to pray? Was was it me that, that I needed to have the revelation? You know, because I think that everything happens for a reason, so I've gotta lean into it like look at all the reasoning, you know, look at all the things that, that that, let's look into what we, what we need to do and let's evolve. Let's change Let's Let's use it for, we're under duress. Let's use it for our, for us and move us forward, actually tackle these problems. You know, we've got I mean, man, you know, we we've got so many problems, so I'm kind of look at it that way. But oh Lord, if this was just for me to have a revelation and I have to start praying today, and I started concentrating on that prayer, and I am with tangent off, like oh Jesus, <laughs> yeah, been I literally was like i need to go finish up this laundry oh wait (laughs) what am i gonna do with my day i'm gonna get up and finish twisting my wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute (laughs) help them jesus therapeutic or at least a theraflu you know (laughs) does theraflu help is that what i would if i got this i would really be into my theraflu the hot kind the kind she make almost like a. oh jesus i got out of bed and i was in the bathroom and then i said amen (laughs)
0: We'll be right back with more from Shelby Williams-Gonzalez, Executive Director of Artworks LA, after a brief word from our sponsors.
2: It makes it easier to do what must be done.
0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If a mime falls on the radio and no one is around to hear it, does the mime make a sound? Does it even matter? Mimes are like podcasters. If a podcaster podcast and no one subscribes to the podcast. Was anyone listening? Does it even matter? No. Because like mimes on the radio, no one cares. Until they are no longer there. But you can change that. Just one click can make all the difference. You can give a voice to those who have had no voice before. Click subscribe and let them know that you hear them. Let them know that you care. Podcasters are like mimes, and a mime is a terrible thing to
2: waste.
0: Welcome back to the Afro Existential Podcast.
1: And I'm really impressed that you guys, you know, shifted and brought everything online. And in doing that, do you have anything helpful, any helpful insight that you could share with people who have who do similar work? as you do that you from what you've learned in this time
2: i think my first like sort of easy tip is remember to be flexible and that it's it's actually i mean I, yes we've done a lot of work and it's not always easy but being flexible to it and and literally like trying kind of everything I've, i think when in the very basic right of hosting a class on zoom hosting an art class on zoom keep it simple but try new things you always want to engage people so you can't be kind of stuck in your ways and I think that's an actually lesson that we can take into the world right like you've got to have some flexibility in in what you're doing I think is first and foremost and then as hard as it is you have to like really stay in tune with what is happening I think it's it's okay to not be okay I tell our students that I tell the staff that I work with that in any sort of meeting I'm in, like, it's okay. And I think maybe in saying that out loud, it's also a way for adults to remember to practice empathy. The world is happening. And yes, we're having our meetings and we're, you know, trying to get work and moving along. But the world, it doesn't wait. It's not like, I think, especially in this pandemic, it's not like I can put that off. You know, and I, of course, I'm going to go through things, but being able to say like, you know what, today's a hard day for me, and I'll keep going. But that's, I think there's a level in that honesty that is changing how we're all working, or it can be. I don't know that all organizations or all businesses are practicing this way. But I think for us, it's really working in like, just checking in, like, how you doing? Okay, and where are we going to where are we going to go today? That's one of the positives that I think has come out of pandemic is just that work life we're all humans we want to create sometimes and sometimes you know you know sometimes I don't create sometimes I just want to like put the blankets over my head (laughs) you know and that's okay too because I'll get up give me a moment (laughs) yeah it's made
1: everybody very aware of if not people's design sense because we're always looking at people's you know living rooms like where they live (laughs) (laughs) but you know like uh, their real lives yeah. You know, I think this might be the first time I think this is going to create a huge shift paradigm shift in how businesses perceive parents, because when you're on zoom, you you can't, you know, you, the reality that these people have children it becomes so apparent, you know, that yeah. this is, this is what is really like those kids are in need all the time. So when you get back to that workplace, and you go, well, my kid has a a doctor's appointment, like that's that's real, you know, that's real life. Yeah. And, and I think before this, I don't think people I think they could separate that. Like that's your at home thing. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah.
2: That's happening Stop. all the time. Yeah. All the walls, everybody has a wall. Yeah. I think the mm-hmm. walls are, you know, now they're Coming just down. like, a, they're like little retaining walls, you know, the shorter walls. <laughs> right. You can see over them.
0: <laughs> but you mentioned something before that I thought was really interesting about Resiliency and the and the perception that young people are so resilient, and that that's not always there's a there's a bandwidth on resiliency
2: sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So this is something, and I'm trying to figure out how to best communicate it in other circle because i'm really serious about this i think people of color are resilient we have grit right but i don't want that to become especially in dealing with white supremacy and institutional racism i think often resiliency and grit is like the second place yeah like second place runner-up prize like, oh, we're not gonna give you power or ownership. Gosh, you're so resilient and got grit. yes, we are, and communities will thrive because that's what people people want to do better. People want better for themselves, for their children, and so there's always gonna be that push. But for everyone else, you know if if you don't identify in the resiliency grit team, like don't just lean on that, like, oh, but you got that, like thumbs up. You know, I think there's this strange and I think this is a time where it's like, no, let's shift it. Our students, I think of Artworks LA students, they are resilient. And it is my obligation to make the world open up so that they don't have to rely solely on their resiliency. They should have ownership. They should have power, just as any anybody else and that's really the the shift that I want to go through and I I think about that I say that like I'm sort of saying this to you because I want to practice and get this into my body so that I can say it also because I think in the nonprofit industrial complex the funders that fund us you know see a lot like well they're so resilient you know and And it becomes like the others. And I really want to break down that relationship of who has the money, who, you know, where, what is the service? Who is the service providing for? Mm -hmm. We can all share something. I don't know.
0: Everybody has their gifts and things that they can contribute. And when you say they're saying, oh, but they're so, they have grit and resilience. So what does that mean? What are they not getting? Like, what's the resource that they're not being given because of that?
2: I think the resources is like simple things, like more money, more, more access, like actual placement in things where there is, there is a ladder of growth.
1: Yeah. So, no, I think that is, I think that hits it on the head. I think when you did the top to bottom versus the side by side, it made me think when it's top to bottom, it's sort of that it, it still presses down on the person who's it, it always makes the perceptions always that like, we're just waiting to receive. We're just waiting mm-hmm. to get, we're just looking for your favors. And the people at the top can feel good about giving whatever their favors are, but it's still, it's still a higher, lower, you know, system versus if you put it side by side. And like you said, there are gifts to give both ways is that I'm not asking you for anything. You know, I'm not asking, that's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking to be seen, you know what I mean? And to be my gifts to be recognized, but you know, I, I, I I want to I'm going to own it myself. You know, I am very worthy of, I'm just asking for like the basic, act, the basic, the basics that you give to other people. You know what I mean? Like, like just the access, the, the, the door in, you know, which I shouldn't be having to bang and plea for to be, to be opened. You know, it's like, no, I'm perfectly, you're not giving, you're not giving a lesser person something. Like you said the funding, the which other people just get, you know, I just want the funding to make my own organization, to build my own business, you know, which I'll gladly yeah. pay back. I'll gladly, you know, <laughs> service my community. I, I don't know. I think that is so, that's, I think you really hit it because it is it's just the access.
2: Yeah. I feel like uh, at any time, I'm going to try to use my, my little soapbox to talk about that. We actually have a grant coming up and I'm, Really trying to figure out how to balance that, and it's it's actually really interesting. There's a there's an organization called the Community Centered Fundraising, and it really looks at hierarchical and sort of the traditional funding source, and that that you know the high, there's someone on top, and then this is like the trickle down, right? And and changing that, so it's not about funding things because without without my money, you know, you would perish. Like we need to change that narrative. Yeah. So so I'm I'm really I don't know, I'm just curious. I think there's a lot of people doing some great work around just that in itself, like especially with the nonprofit, you know, because if you think about it, nonprofits, especially in in Los Angeles and major urban areas often are started by very wealthy people often you know and then they have a board of directors predominantly white and then they're serving communities of color and like so there's always a like a difference right who who the board is who the service who the clients are right and i think that that also needs to change an organization should reflect who they serve
1: people who have been experiencing it you don't see what really needs to happen and i don't know i applaud you for seeing that access is the key so
2: shall they all so shall they all ladies
0: and gentlemen we invite your apprehensive listening that completes another episode in our Creating Art in Crisis series It's all finished, I finished it We hope it inspired you as much as it did us
1: Well, what do we do now?
0: You can also visit us at AfroXPodcast.com uh-huh.
1: That's
0: afroexpodcast.com uh-huh. To see some of the work that we've created uh-huh. During the crisis uh-huh. Join us again for our next interview With another artist who is creating art During crisis
2: Now humanity could profit greatly by that And then would be able to cure brains damaged by insanity, control all emotions, in one word, resolve all the unknown concerning man.
0: Until then, have a great day on purpose.
1: Yeah, yeah, all right.